Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by America's Card Room, ACR, where this week... On Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, we have our tournament, Poker Edge Free Roll, a $1,000 guaranteed tournament limited to the first 300 players with a $0.00 buy-in and entry fee. Details about the TPE Free Roll on America's Card Room can be found in the TPE Discord, which you can access simply by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. I'm Clayton Fletcher, your host in New York City, and I was hoping to have a guest on the podcast this week, but let me tell you guys something. Look, I used to host another podcast called Broadway Comedy Club Radio, where each week we would interview a comedian, and I used to think that comedians were irresponsible, unreliable, forgetful, flaky. Look, compared with poker players... These are some of the most responsible and reliable human beings on earth. I cannot believe how many times I have had an appointment, a a Zoom meeting, (laughs) you know, calendar invite, all the things scheduled with a poker player and he or she simply does not show up. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. I mean, one of the most appealing things about the lifestyle if you will, of being a poker player is that you do get to set your own schedule and it kind of lends itself to those with, shall we say, free spirits, I guess. Anyway, I'm not going to complain about my fellow members of the poker playing community throughout the episode. I will just say that for those who get sick of the solo episodes where you only get to hear my sonorous voice for half an hour or so, I apologize. And I've been trying to do something about that. But as they say, in the dance world, it takes two to tango. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to continue our coverage of the World Series of Poker main event in 2022. We're going to look at three hands from that tournament. And we're on day four, so we're in the money. They actually reached the money last year at the very end of day three. I believe that they extended day three in order to reach the money on that day. Seem to remember players complaining. (laughs) I know, shocker, right? But yeah, poker players were complaining about the extra long day three with the goal of reaching the money. So I believe once the bubble finally burst, they halted the action knowing that everyone will return for day four, guaranteed a prize of at least $15,000. Now I have a solution for this. No one ever listens to me, but I believe that when we get within 10% of the money, we need to institute a clock I mean, the other way you could do it is just start hand-for-hand much earlier. I think they start hand-for-hand when they're like four or five places away from the money with like something like a 100 tables left or whatever. I think that's silly. Look, we should definitely fix this problem. We have the technology. 
There should not be this much stalling and tanking in any tournament, especially not the main event, because it just makes for brutal television viewing. Watching someone stare at 10-3 offsuit, under the gun, 28 places away from the money, knowing he's never going to play the hand, but he just wants some more people to bust out before he does. Now, to be clear, guys, I am not blaming the players. The rules do not prohibit this behavior explicitly. And under the current system, another player needs to call the clock on someone who's stalling. But at that point in the tournament, very few players are actually incentivized to do so. So what you get instead is a snail's pace for about three hours and then players ironically complaining about how long it took to reach the bubble. (laughs) But if you guys weren't stalling the whole time, maybe we could have gotten there much faster. Anyway, this is not my battle to fight necessarily, but as a lover of the game and someone who would like to see poker reach a much bigger audience, I think this is something that we absolutely have to do something about. I think all tournaments should have a shot clock from the beginning. It's not that hard. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but back in the glory days of the Aussie Millions, they had many tournaments where each dealer was given basically a little digital $6 kitchen timer, which was set to 30 seconds. And after the player had taken approximately 30 seconds, the dealer would just press a button and start that 30-second time clock. You didn't have to call the floor. You didn't need another player to say, hey, this guy's taking too long. A lot of players are not comfortable being the one to call the clock on somebody else. This system at the Crown Casino in Melbourne was a perfect solution. The dealer could kind of approximate whether it's been about 30 seconds and then press a button and you have another 30 seconds. And then if you don't use your time bank extension, by the time we hear that beep, 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 then your hand is dead and no supervisor necessary. No decision needs to be made. The guy in the suit doesn't have to come over and say, well, has he had enough time to make his decision yet? Yes. Yes, he has. You always have. Hurry up. Okay, rant over. Let's talk about day four. This hand comes from the 5,000, 10,000 with a 10,000 big blind ante level. And there are about 800 players remaining, which means that the average stack at this point in the tournament was right around 650,000-ish. In this hand, we see a min raise from the low jack position from a player named Farah Galfond. Now, Farah is an actress, a former soap star, and she has also done plenty of other television and movies. Uh, She's married to the great Phil Galfond, so they are essentially a poker power couple. So she's quite comfortable on camera. She doesn't appear nervous, and she doesn't try too hard to be entertaining on television, but at the same time, she's not afraid to show her personality. She's kind of uh, what I would describe as an uninhibited, natural, on-camera performer, the likes of which we desperately need in this industry. Now, Farah makes it 20000 mm-hmm. so just a min-raise from fourth position, a.k.a. the low jack. And now a few more folds to the button, who is Daniela Rodriguez Tavares. Now, Daniela, a young woman that I was unfamiliar with, she comes from the country of Colombia, where, honestly, I don't think I can name too many other poker players from that exact 
country. Daniela has been mostly loose, loose-ish, not completely out of line, but definitely uh, in spots where it's close. I think she tends to call rather than fold and mostly passive, maybe passing on a few spots where we could be raising and just calling instead. So uh, as we know, that is not, generally speaking, a recommended strategy. You either want to find a tighter range of hands that you would be comfortable playing more aggressively, or just take the same loose range and just try to take the lead in the pots more often than not. That is the not-so-secret formula for winning poker tournaments. Anyway, uh, we've got the seven of clubs and six of clubs and about 800,000 chips. So uh, we're playing this hand from Daniela's perspective on the button with the suited 7-6 facing a middle position raise from Farah Galfon. So I think we can absolutely fold if we want. I mean, Farah only starts the hand with 39 big blinds. So it's not like we can even double through Farah if we happen to flop a monster, which we almost always will not. Uh, we can flop a lot of kind of middle pair type of hands with cards like these, which might make it difficult to navigate post-flop. Uh, the good news is that we would be in position in that case. But I think that folding is totally fine. I like putting hands like this occasionally into my three bet range. Um, also, obviously calling is okay. I mean, it's only two big blinds to call and speculate. So it's totally fine to call. But I think that this might be a spot where kind of taking control of the hand, possibly even taking it down pre-flop, like what if we make it 65K? At that point, it might be very hard for Farah to four bet without being pot committed. So you would know that when she does that, she's almost always going to have a very big hand. And for that reason, I like calling, but I think it's cool to mix a three bet in once in a while. And again, if your instinct is to fold, yeah, it's a little tight, but definitely perfectly fine to do that, especially a tournament where if you have 80 big blinds, you absolutely do not have to get involved in marginal situations. But Daniela does call, so we make the call on the button with the seven of clubs, six of clubs, and the blinds fold. So we're heads up in position and with 65,000 in the middle and the effective stack being that of Farah Galfond now at 370. The flop comes, Jack of Clubs, Seven of Diamonds, Deuce of Hearts. So Jack, Seven, Deuce, Rainbow with one club, Hero holding the Seven of Clubs, Six of Clubs. And now Galfond fires out a continuation bet of 22K into the 65K pot. So just around one third. Pretty standard sizing there from Galfond. What to do in Daniela's shoes? Well, clearly we don't want to fold, getting four to one, holding middle pair with the backdoor flush draw. There's some chance our hand is good. There's actually a decent chance our hand is good, as I think that Farah should be firing off this continuation bet on the Jack Seven Deuce Rainbow board, which is pretty hard for us to have hit with a pretty wide range, including ace-king, ace-queen, king-ten, and other hands that we are currently beating with our middle pair. But what? So let's not fold. Calling is fine, but what about raising? You know, this feels like a spot where I can use my bigger stack to possibly put pressure on Galfon. I don't know if I can get a better hand to fold 
at least not yet. But here's where I'd be targeting a hand like pocket nines, pocket tens. So pairs between jacks and sevens, maybe some weaker jacks even, maybe like a queen jack suited that might have opened from middle position and really can't take that much pressure, especially when Daniela Rodriguez Tabarez has been so passive up to this point. When you have been passive all day and you suddenly put a raise in on the flop, I think that an astute thinking player such as Farah Galfond might start considering an exit strategy for the hand. So that's why I really like raising in this spot. Uh, You're going to fold out some hands that have good equity against you, such as king, queen, king, 10, ace, queen. All those hands should fold to the raise on the flop. And other hands that currently have you beat, such as pocket nines, will necessarily have trouble getting to the river if you continue to apply pressure. Now, we're not going to apply pressure on every single turn card. Obviously, we're not going to bet if it comes a king, a queen, an ace, a 10 on the turn. Probably also wouldn't bet a nine. The exception, of course, would be if it comes another club. You know, a nine of clubs on the turn would be a great card to fire another barrel. If we pick up that backdoor flush draw, that really becomes a great card for us to fire a a pot-sized bet or maybe even a little bigger and just really put the pressure on Farah with her. Again, you know, she starts the hand with only 39 big blinds. Now, I'm not saying this is how you should play every single hand in the main event, but I am saying that if you're going to flat on the button pre-flop, with a speculative hand such as the 7-6 suited, part of the strategy in doing so needs to be taking away a few pots that appear to be available. By the way, guys, if we raise and get called, we still have outs. We have any 6, any 7 to crack pocket aces or kings, and we've also got those club outs that would give us another opportunity to barrel and see if we can get this bluff through. So that's why I love raising on the flop, at least some of the time, with this hand. But Rodriguez Tabaras decides to just call. And now we're going to see a turn. And with 109,000 in the middle, the turn card comes the five of diamonds for a board of jack of clubs, seven of diamonds, deuce of hearts, five of diamonds, hero holding the seven six of clubs and now Farah Galfon fires 70k into the 109k pot just about two-thirds of the pot so what should Daniela Rodriguez Tabarez do in this spot well look uh, we didn't raise the flop and now Farah Galfon is showing tremendous strength here with a large large-ish bet on fourth street after we called her pre-flop and on the flop. So most players in Galfon's shoes with Galfon's stack would not make this play with a hand like ace-queen or king-queen. Typically, players shut it down, maybe planning to call a small bet on the turn with the two overcards, hoping that we're bluffing, but usually planning to fold. It's unusual for Galfon to make this play with a hand that cannot beat a pair of sevens. And for that reason, given the price, I think that we should just lay down at this point. But this is why I really like raising on the flop, because I believe 
that many times if Farah continues in the hand, she'll continue with a call and then check to the razor on the turn. And when it comes to five of diamonds like this and we don't pick up any equity, we can check back and see the river for a much lower price. Like I wanted to raise it like 40000 45000 Now, if you want to see the river at this point, you've got to pay 70000 That's a pretty big difference. And I think that Daniela should at this point give up on the hand. However, she decides to make the call. And that's a pretty big call for seventy k. And now with 249000 in the middle, the river comes the nine of clubs for a final board of jack, seven, deuce, five, nine, with no flush. A couple of straights did come in, but it's a, a pretty dry board overall. And at this point, Galfon checks. So should Rodriguez Tabares fire a bluff here? Or do we think that a pair of sevens is enough to show down? Well, I don't really expect... I mean, there are some bluffs that Galfon could have. Maybe like Ace-King of Diamonds. Remember, the turn put two diamonds on the board. So possibly she may have some second barrels in that rare case when she has like two high cards, both of which are diamonds. Yeah, we can check and win against those hands because there are a few of them in Farah's range for bet, bet, check on this board. But at this point on the river, I think the best play is just to check, expecting to lose a lot. I do not advocate bluffing anymore. I think that Farah will always make the call with a pair of jacks or better when we fire. And I think that that is a big part of her range. I think she'll show up with pocket kings, ace jack, king jack, hands like that quite a bit. And it's kind of hopeless to try to bluff her off of them, having played the hand as Rodriguez Tabarez has chosen to do up to this point. And I think that some of you are probably laughing listening to this because you can't believe there's actually a pot that I would not go after. But let's remember, guys, I wanted to bluff on the flop. I also wanted to bluff pre-flop, if you'll recall. It's just, by the time you get to this point, it just, it makes no sense and you're going to get bluff caught a little too often. So uh, I do approve of the way Rodriguez Tavares plays the river, checking behind, although I don't really like the way she played the rest of the hand. Let me know what you think. You can get at me on Twitter at Clayton Comic and give me your thoughts on this hand. You can also join the TPE Discord. By the way, guys, if you're not yet a member of America's Card Room, you should sign up now by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. You will receive a first-time deposit bonus, 100% of your money, up to $2,000, just by using the promo code TPE. All right, let's do another hand involving Cash Game Pro and on-camera veteran Farah Galfon. The very next hand, she's got 530 in her stack now, having won a nice pot off of Daniela Rodriguez Tavares. And in the ver- on the very next hand, now in third position, Galfon opens again to 20,000 off of a 530,000 stack. Not going to tell you what she had yet. Oh, I just remembered. I think I forgot to tell you guys. <laughs> in the last hand, Galfon won the pot with Ace of Spades, Jack of Hearts. So she flopped top pair and it held up to be top pair even on the river. So ace-jack won the previous hand. 
I don't think I mentioned that before, but if I did, now you heard it twice. Anyway, this time I will tell you what she had at the end of this hand. So she opens from third position. Again, just a min raise to 20K. And on the button, Andre Bojan of Romania has only 214,000. So 21.4 big blinds. Are you impressed? I did that math in my head. <laughs> so Bojan has pocket sixes, guys. He's got the six of hearts and six of diamonds. So how would you play against an early position raise with pocket sixes on the button when you've got 21.4 big blinds? I think folding is absolutely fine. Um, it would cost about 10% of the starting stack to call and hope to flop a six. But the problem with that is we're not closing the action, right? If you're in the big blind, that's a much better play. Here on the button, you've got two more players yet to act behind you who may decide to squeeze, at which point you're either going to try to get all in with pocket sixes, which doesn't feel great, or you're going to have to fold them, which also hurts a lot, having put in 10% of your already dwindling one-third average-sized stack. So when you are short-stacked, even in the main event, you need to play your hands more decisively pre-flop and on the flop. So while I know it may be tempting to try to be conservative and preserve your chips because you want to ladder up and every pay jump counts and you don't normally play $10,000 buy-ins or whatever, I'm here to tell you guys that is not how you win a championship. Do you want the bracelet or not? you got to go for it. And if you don't want to go for it, throw your hand away. I think the worst decision you can make in this situation is to call and try to flop a set with pocket sixes. Look, once he puts in the 20000 he's only going to have 194000 left. Barely three times the pot. And that's just not enough compensation for all the times that you're going to miss the flop with your pocket sixes and have to fold to a continuation bet. That's not good. You don't want that. That is quite simply not winning poker. I want to see a three bet or a fold here. I don't even mind a shove. Now, if that sounds wild to you, why don't you do a little bit of math with me now? At the beginning of this hand, there's 25,000 in the middle, the blinds and antes. When Farah makes it 20K to go, there's 45,000 in the middle, and we only have 214,000 in the stack. So that means... If we shove and take it down and win, we increase our stack by about 22%. That's a lot, you guys. That is a lot before the flop. And if we get called by ace-king, we have a coin flip, which would get us that much closer to an average stack if we happen to win the coin flip. The point is, we can't be playing passively with this kind of stack. We have an M of 9. You should not be calling to set mine with an M of 9, guys. That is not winning poker and I don't like that that's exactly what Andre Bojan did. And I know there's a pay jump coming. Look, I know that when you guys are on day four of the main event, you tend to look at the pay jumps a lot, you know, and I realize it's the difference between winning, I don't know, what is it at this point, like $19,000 or $22,000 and that that $3,000 will feed a family of seven in Romania for two months. I don't want to hear it, Okay. We're not here for pay jumps. We're here to win. So if you want to win, shove or fold. Do not call and speculate. Look, if you call and the blinds get out of the way, you're going to have an SPR of three. 
That's all I need to know. That means our stack isn't big enough to speculate. Small pairs and pseudo connectors should be folded with an M under 10, okay? And the other option is to shove, as mentioned, in hopes of taking it down without a fight or winning a coin flip. I like folding, that's my choice, but if you guys wanna play this hand, do not call. Okay, so Bojan calls. Uh, did I mention I don't like this play? And now with 65,000 in the middle, yeah, the blinds fold, heads up to the flop, there's 65K in the middle, and the effective stack is Andre Bojan of Romania with just 194 in his stack. There's that SPR of three. And the flop comes ace of hearts, nine of spades, seven of hearts. Ace, nine, seven with two hearts. Hero holding the six of hearts, six of diamonds. Galfon checks, and now the action is on Bojan. What to do with two sixes? Look, if you didn't want to play aggressively, before the flop, let's at least consider doing so now. Would Farah Galfon check to us if she had a hand like ace-queen? Wouldn't she want to protect on this wet board, ace-nine-seven with two hearts? Doesn't she want to protect her hand? I mean, I could see her maybe checking three aces, three nines or three sevens. She may also check a hand like king-queen of hearts, hoping to shove as a bluff when we bet. But yeah, I think generally speaking, she's giving up on this hand. She's giving us an opportunity to win it. And if she's waving the white flag, all we need to do is put a few chips in the middle and take this pot down, which would more than compensate for the mistake we made in calling pre-flop in the first place. But Bojan decides to check, and that's okay. Maybe he felt like she might be trapping or perhaps he saw the eye of the tiger on her face and got scared. So he just decided to check behind and so we see a free turn card which is the five of spades so our board is now ace of hearts nine of spades seven of hearts five of spades hero holding pocket sixes for a pair and a gut shot and galfon checks again and i started shouting at my tv screen come on bet the turn you've picked up outs if you are behind to a hand like pocket jacks or what have you obviously farrah galfon does not have an ace i don't think that very many players in her shoes will be capable of checking an ace twice. It's pretty clear that if she has value, it's a pair below top pair. And now she's checked it twice. It's time to bet. We block the nuts with our pocket sixes. The nuts at this point is eight six. It's time to earn some much needed chips. Put some money in there. Do you want this bracelet or not? Oh, but Clayton, pay jumps, ICM, ICM, pay jumps, ladder, ladder, ladder. Shut up. There's $10 million for first place. You're telling me you care about $22,000? Put the money in. Bojan checks again, and I almost threw my TV out the window. And the river comes the queen of spades, completing the flush. Ace of hearts, nine of spades, seven of hearts, five of spades, queen of spades, hero holding... Two red sixes, and again, Farah Galfon checks over to Andre Bojan, who, for reasons I will never understand, checks and shows down pocket sixes and loses this pot to pocket eights. The eight of diamonds, eight of clubs. This hand made me physically angry. It's making me angry again just reviewing it with you guys right now. If this is how you are going to play, in the most important tournament of the year, save 
your $10,000 and whatever it costs you to fly over here from Romania. If you can't take this pot away from someone who's basically begging you to do so by checking to you three times, stay in Romania, turn on your Wi-Fi and play Fortnite. Just simply awful poker by Andre Bojan. And this hand has me pretty upset. I'm looking at the clock now and I can't do the third hand that I wanted to do for you guys today. I'll, uh, that's okay. We'll do more day four hands on a future episode. I'm still going to try to work on getting some of these pros who keep promising me they're going to be podcast guests to keep their word for once. <laughs> but that'll do it for this episode. Please like, rate, review, all the things every podcast host asks you to do all the time. It really does help a ton. However much you think it helps when you leave a review or a rating, it helps a lot more than that, especially those coveted five stars. And for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, and with special thanks as always to our very generous sponsor, ACR, America's Card Room, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. Hold them like they do in Texas, please Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart Love nobody. Everybody, everybody.